0: Section five of The Murder of Delicia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Angelique Campbell, April 2019. The Murder of Delicia by Marie Corelli. Chapter three. The smoking room of the Bohemian was full of a motley collection of men of the literary vagabond type reporters, paragraphists, writers of penny dreadfuls reeled off tapewise from the thin spools of smoke-dried masculine brains stray actors playwrights anxious to translate the work of some famous foreigner and so get fastened on to his superior coattails adapters desirous of dramatizing some celebrated novel and pocketing all the profits anxious proposers of new magazines looking about for funds to back them up and among all these an extremely casual sprinkling of the brilliant and successful workers in art and literature who were either honorary members or who had allowed their names to stand on the committee in order to give prestige to a collection which would otherwise be termed the ragtag and bobtail of literature the opinions of the bohemian the airily idiotic theories with which the members disported themselves and furnished food for laughter to the profane were occasionally quoted in the newspapers and of course gave the club a certain amount of importance in its own eyes if in nobody else's and the committee put on what is called a considerable amount of side now and then affecting to humor some half-and-half celebrity by asking him to a five-shilling dinner and dubbing him the guest of the evening he meantime gloomily taking note of the half-cold badly cooked poorness of the meal in debating within himself whether it would be possible to get away in time to have a chop from the grill somewhere on his way home the bohemian had a long time getting started owing to the manner in which the gentlemen who were in persistently blackballed every new aspirant for the honors of membership the cause of this arose from the chronic state of nervous jealousy in which the bohemians lived to a certain extent and as far as their personal animosities would permit they were a mutual admiration society and dreaded the intrusion of any stranger who might set himself to discover their tricks and their manners they had a lawyer of their own whose business it was to arrange the disputes of the club should occasion require his services and they also had a doctor a humorous and very clever little man who was fond of strolling about the premises in the evening and taking notes for the writing of a medical treatise to be entitled literary dyspepsia and the passion of envy considered in its actions on the spleen and other vital organs a book which he justly considered would excite a great deal of interest among his professional compeers but in spite of the imposing committee of names the lawyer and the doctor the bohemian did not pay it struggled on hampered with debts and difficulties like most of its members he it gave smoking concerts occasionally for which it charged extra and twice a year it admitted ladies to its dinners during which banquet speeches were made distinctly proving to the fair sex that they had no business at all to be present still with every advantage that a running fire of satirical comment could give it in the way of notoriety the bohemian was not a prosperous concern and no yankee bullion bag seemed inclined to take it up or invest in the chances of its future a more sallow sour discontented set of men that were congregated in the smoking-room on the particular evening now in question could hardly be found anywhere between london and the antipodes and only the little doctor leaning back in a lounge chair with his neatly shaped little legs easily crossed and a smile on his face seemed to enjoy his position as an impartial spectator of the scene his smile however was one of purely professional satisfaction he was making studies of a subject in the person of a long-haired poet who wrote his own reviews this son of the muses was an untidy dirty-looking man and his abundant locks irresistibly reminded one of a black goatskin doormat worn in places where reckless visitors had wiped their muddy boots thereon no doubt this poet washed occasionally but his skin was somewhat of the peculiar composition complained of by lady macbeth all the perfumes of arabia would neither cleanse nor sweeten it jaundice muttered the little doctor pleasantly i'll give him my and he'll be down with his worst form too much smoke too much whiskey combined mentally with conceit spite and the habitual concentration of the imagination on self and no gaiety wit or kindness to temper the mixture all bad for the health as bad as bad can be but god bless his soul what does it matter he'll never be missed and he rubbed his hands jubilantly smiling still meanwhile the rhymester thus doomed was seated at a distant table and writing of himself thus if shelley was a poet if byron was a poet if we own shakespeare as a king of bards and dramatists then mr aubrey grovelin is a poet also eminently fitted to be the comrade of these immortals inspired thought beauty of diction ease and splendour of rhythm distinguish ari gravlin's muse as they distinguish shakespeare's utterances and in bestowing upon this gifted singer the praise that is justly due to him we feel we are rendering a service to england in being among the first to point out the glorious promise and value of a genius who is destined to outsoar all his contemporaries in far-reaching originality and grandeur of design finishing this with a bold dash he put it in an envelope and addressed it to the office of the journal in which he was employed and known simply as alfred brown mr alfred brown was on the staff of that journal as a critic and as brown he praised himself in the person of Aubrey grovelin the great editor of the journal being half his time away shooting golfing or otherwise amusing himself didn't know anything about either grovelin or brown and didn't care and the public seeing Grovelin described as a shakespeare promptly concluded he must be a humbug and avoided his books as cautiously as though they had been labelled poison hence brown aubrey groflin's chronic yellow melancholy his poems wouldn't sell he crammed his eulogistic review of his own latest production into his pocket and went over to the doctor from whose cigar he kindled his own you seen the papers this evening he asked languidly dropping into a chair next to the club's galeen and running one skinny hand through his doormat curls i've just glanced through them replied the doctor indifferently i never do read anything but the telegrams the poet raised his eyebrows superciliously. So you don't allow your mind to be influenced by the ebb and flow of the human tide of events? He murmured vaguely. But I should have thought you would have observed the ridiculous announcement concerning the new book by that horrid woman, Delicia Bonne. It is monstrous—a sale of one hundred thousand copies. It is an infernal lie. Does a damnation truth? Said a pleasant voice suddenly in the mildest of accents and a good-looking man with a pretty trick of twirling his moustache and an uncomfortable way of flashing his eyes squared himself upright in front of both physician and poet i'm the publisher and i know there was a silence during which mr grovelin smiled angrily and rearranged his doormat when proceeded the publisher sweetly will you enable me to do the same thing for you mr gravelin the doctor whose name was Daly, laughed the poet frowned sir said grovelin my work does not appeal to this age which is merely prolific in the generating of idiots i trust myself and my productions to the justice of posterity then you must appeal to the prosperity's publishers as well mustn't he mr granton suggested dr daly with a humorous twinkle in his eyes addressing the publisher who being the head of a wealthy and influential firm was regarded by all the penniless scribblers in the bohemian with feelings divided betwixt awe and fear he must indeed said granton personally i prefer to speculate in delicia bonne now lady Carleon, her new book is a masterpiece i am proud to be the publisher of it and upon my word i think the public show capital taste in rushing for it she can't write sneered Grovelin. did you ever know a woman who could i have heard of george Eliot hinted daily an old hen that imagined it could crow said the poet with intense malignity she'll be forgotten as though she never existed in a little while and as for that vaughan woman she's several grades lower still and ought only to be employed for the london journal granton looked at him and bit his lips to hide a smile it strikes me you'd rather like to stand in lady carlyon's shoes all the same mr Gravelin he said Gravelin laughed with such a shrill sound in the laughter that dr daly immediately made a mental note entitled planetic hysteria and watched him with professional eagerness not i he exclaimed everybody knows her husband writes more than half her books that's a lie, said a full, clear voice behind him. Her husband is as big an ass as you are. Gravelin turned round fiercely and confronted Paul Valdez. There was a silence of surprise and consternation. Several men rose from various parts of the room and came to see what was going on. Dr. Daly rubbed his hands in delightful anticipation of a row, but no one spoke or moved to interfere. The two men, Gravelin and Valdez, stood face to face the one mean-featured with every movement of his body marked by a false and repulsive affectation the other a manly and heroic figure distinguished by good looks and grace of bearing with the consciousness of right and justice flashing in his eyes you accuse me of telling a lie mr valdez his grovelin and you call me an ass i do retorted valdez coolly it is certainly a lie that lord Carleon writes half his wife's books i had a letter from him once and found out by it that he didn't know how to spell much less express himself grammatically and of course you are an ass if you think he could do anything in the way of literature but you don't think so you only say so out of pure jealousy of a woman's fame You shall answer for this, Mr. Valdez exclaimed, Grovelin, the curls of his doormat coiffure bristling with rage. By heaven, you shall answer for it. When you please and how you please returned Valdez composedly. Now and here, if you like, and if the members permit fighting on the club premises. Exclamations of no, no, mingled with laughter partially drowned his voice. Everyone in the Bohemian knew and dreaded Valdez he was the most influential person on the committee and the most dangerous if offended lady Carleon's name is hardly fitted to be a bone of contention for us literary and play-acting dogs in the manger he continued she does not write verse so she is not in your way mr Gravelin, nor will she interfere with your claim on posterity she is not an actress so she does not rob me of any of my honors as an actor and i think we should do well to magnanimously allow her the peaceful enjoyment of her honestly earned reputation without grouping ourselves together like dirty street boys to try and throw mud at her our mud doesn't stick you know her book is an overwhelming success and her husband will doubtless enjoy all the financial profits of it he turned on his heel and looked over some papers lying on the table gravlin touched his arm there was an evil leer on his face the pen is mightier than the sword mr valdez he observed ay ay that means you are going to blackguard me in the next number of the halfpenny hey clarion be it so truth shall not budge for a ha'porth of slander he resumed his perusal of the papers and grovlin walked away slowly his eyes fixed on the ground and a brooding mischief in his face you should never ruffle the temper of a man who has liver complaint valdez said dr daly cheerfully drawing his chair up to the table where the handsome actor still leaned all evil humours come from the troubles of that important organ and i am sure if i could only meet a would-be murderer in time i could save him from the committal of his intended wicked deed by a dose quite a small dose of suitable medicine valdez laughed rather forcefully would you? Then you'd better attend to Gravelin without delay. He's ripe for murder. With the pin. Dr. Daly rubbed his well shaven rounded chin meditatively. Easy. Well, perhaps he is. I really shouldn't wonder. Curiously enough, now I come to think of it, he has certain points about him that are synonymous with a murderous instinct, phrenologically and physiologically speaking, I mean. It is rather strange he should be a poet at all is he a poet queried valdez contemptuously i never heard it honestly admitted one does not acknowledge a man as a poet simply because he has a shock head of very dirty hair my dear valdez expostulated the little doctor amiably you really are very bitter almost violent in your strictures upon the man who to me is one of the most interesting persons i have ever met because i foresee his death due to the very complex and entertaining complications of disease in the space of let me see well suppose we say eighteen months i do not think we shall have any chance of an autopsy i wish i could think it likely but i am afraid here dr daly shook his head and looked so despondent concerning the slender hope he had of dissecting grovelin after death that valdez laughed heartily and this time unrestrainedly you forget that's the new photography you could photograph his interior while he's alive by jove i never thought of that cried the doctor joyfully of course i'll have it done when the disease has made a little more progress you'll be extremely instructive it will said valdez especially if you reproduce it in the journals and call it portrait of a lampooner's interior under process of destruction by the microbes of disappointment and envy good good chuckled Daly. and my dear valdez how would you like a photo entitled photograph of a distinguished actor's imaginative organism consumed by the fires of a hopeless love valdez colored violently and anon grew pale you are an old friend of mine daily he said slowly but you may go too far so i may and so i have returned the little doctor penitently and with an abashed look forgive me my dear boy i've been guilty of a piece of impertinence and i'm sorry there but i should like a few words with you alone if you don't mind it's sunday night you can't go and be your nanny will you waste a few moments of your company on me outside these premises where the very wolves have ears valdez assented and in a few moments they left the club together with their departure there was a slight stir among the men in the room who were reading smoking and drinking whisky and water i wish she'd take up with him growled one man whose head was half hidden under a referee why the devil doesn't she play the fool like other women whom are you speaking of inquired a stout personage who was busy correcting his critical notes on a new play which had been acted for the first time the previous evening Alicia vaughan lady carligon answered the first man valdez is infatuated with her why she doesn't go over to him i can't imagine a writing female need not be more particular than a dancing female i should say they're both public figures and carleon has thrown himself down as a free gift at the feet of la marina so there's no obstacle in the way except the woman's own extraordinary cussedness what good would it do that she should go over as you call it to mr valdez inquired the stout scribbler dubiously biting the head of his pencil good Why? None to me in particular said the other but it would drag her down don't you see it will prove to the idiotic public that is just now running after her as if she were a goddess that she is only the usual frail stuff of which women are made i should like that i confess i should like it i like women to keep in their places that is on the downgrade suggested the stout gentleman still dubiously of course what else were they made for la marina who kicks up her skirts and hits her nose with the point of her big toe is far more of a woman i take it and certainly more to the taste of a man than the insolent brilliant superior delicia Vaughan. oh you must admit she is brilliant and superior asked the stout critic with a smile well you know that saying a great deal i'm an old-fashioned man of course you are put in a young fellow standing near you like to believe there may be good women real angels on earth you like to believe it and so do i he was a fresh-coloured youth lately come up to london from the provinces to try his hand at literature and the individual with the referee who had started the conversation glanced him over with a supremest contempt i hope your mother's in town to take care of you you ninny he said you're a very callow bird the young man laughed good-naturedly am i well all the same i'd rather honour women than despise them the stout critic looked up from his notebook approvingly keep that up as long as you can youngster he said it won't hurt you a silence followed the man with the reverie spoke not another word and the fresh-coloured provincial getting tired of the smoke and the general air of egotistical self-concentration with which each member of the club sat fast in his own chosen chair absorbed in his own chosen form of inward meditation took a hasty departure glad to get out into the cool night air his way home lay through a part of mayfair and at one of the houses he passed he saw a long line of carriages outside and a brilliant display of light within some fashionable leader of society was holding a sunday evening reception and moved by a certain vague interest and curiosity the young reporter lingered for a moment watching the gaily dressed women passing in and out while he yet waited a dignified butler appeared on the steps and murmured something in the ear of a gold-button commissionaire who thereupon shouted vociferously lady caroline's carriage this way and as an elegant coupe drawn by two spirited horses drove swiftly up in response to the summons a woman wrapped in a soft white mantilla of old spanish lace and holding up her silken train with one hand came out of the house with a gentleman evidently her host who was escorting her to the carriage the young man from the country leaned forward eagerly and caught sight of a proud delicate face illuminated by two dark violet eyes a flashing glimpse of beauty that vanished airfully seen but it was enough to make him who had been called a callow bird wax suddenly indignant with certain self-styled celebrities he had just left behind at the bohemian what beast they are he murmured, What cads thank God they'll never be famous. They're too mean to fling their dirty spite at a woman like that. It's disgusting. Wait till I get a chance. I'll review their trash for them, and warmed by the prospect of this future vengeance, the callow bird went home to roost. End of chapter Three.